You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 707 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on a Thursday evening from State Farm Arena after what became a 127-117 victory for the Hawks. A pretty impressive performance from Atlanta, all things considered. And uh, obviously, we're not supposed to win this game, quote-unquote. There were underdogs in this spot coming out and uh, played very well from really wire to wire in this contest and a nice springboard into the weekend road trip to Dallas. Uh, Big picture-wise, the Hawks are now 5-4. In their last nine games, that's not you know n- nothing huge, but certainly progress over where they were early on in the season. And the other, uh, I guess, uh, milestone that happened other than the uh, in-game stuff was that Vince Carter is now third all-time in games played. So shouts to Vince on that. But as for the game itself, the Hawks um, were shorthanded again in this spot. They were without Alex Lynn. They were without Bruce Fernando. They were without Gabriel Bembry, and of course Jabari Parker, uh, leaving them was, uh, I would say, very few options in the front court. That was kind of a theme throughout the game, both pregame, during the game, and then even after the game when Boy Pierce was talking. Um, everyone kind of knew the deal when it came to the Hawks being shorthanded against Joel Embiid and company. It definitely helped the Hawks that Al Horford and Josh Richardson, two of the five best players for Philly, were also unavailable in this game. But still, they were you know, playing as a team that had the more high-profile talent on the road, et cetera, et cetera, and the Hawks came in and played very well. Um, also, credit to the front court in general with Damian Jones, of course, John Collins, and even Vince Carter, who played a uh, pivotal role throughout this contest. The Hawks entered as seven and a half point underdogs. They were about seven point underdogs when the game actually started. And, but as people point out, um, both during and after the game, the Hawks have been very, very, very competitive against the Sixers the last couple of seasons. That included earlier this year when they were leading for much of the day before falling eventually by a two point margin against the Sixers in the same building. And last year they had success against Philadelphia as well. So whatever the matchup concerns are, um, they go pretty well for the Hawks. And that came to, that came to roost in this game. Um, early on in the contest, as we start diving in, uh, as we start diving into the game itself here, the first quarter, uh, Ben Simmons got loose in the early going. He had five dunks or layups in the first five minutes of action. Kind of a layup line for him in the early going. But on the other side, Trey Young was cooking early and often. He, of course, was the biggest star for the Hawks in this game. In fact, he accounted for the first 30 points for the Hawks, whether uh, whether it be by scoring or assists. Yes, you heard that right. The first 30 points were credited to Trey Young in either scoring or assists, and uh, he was fantastic. at nine points, four assists in the early going. Um, a 10-2 run for Atlanta took a 30-23 lead. They led by as many as, as, many as eight points, and uh, Trey Young had 14-10 and 10 in the first quarter. Now, that sounds ridiculous because it is. It just doesn't happen very often um, with 10 assists in a single quarter. In fact, it was the first time... Um, According to a lot of sports bureau via the NBA, um, the first time in at least 20 years that that, that a NBA player had had 10 and 10, including assists, um, in the first quarter of a game. So, kind of speaks to how incredible that performance was from Trey um, early and often. Lloyd Pierce talks about the fact that once he got a, a few simple assists on early going, things just opened up in a big way, and the Sixers just had no answer for Trey throughout the contest. That was very, very evident, and of course, he was the star. Um, also, 10, 10 points for DeAndre Hunter in the first quarter, which is worth pointing out. And the defense wasn't even very good for Atlanta, uh, really all that long, but it didn't matter because the offense was so good, and most of that was uh, attributed to Trey Young. Um, the second quarter was a little bit um, more evenly matched, uh, I would say, with the Sixers actually winning the quarter by one point. It was the only quarter that Philadelphia actually won in this game. And part of that was a bad lap. The Hawks were forced to play. 
I would say, spoiler alert, most of the second half Hawks were playing, were very shallow in terms of lineup um, construction. But in the uh, open the second quarter, they played four bench guys along with Cam Reddish. It was Teague, Reddish, Travion Graham, Vince Carter, and Damian Jones. That, that did not work very well. Um, fortunately, Philly didn't really take advantage of that necessarily in a massive way, and the Hawks ended up taking a 10-point lead. Vince Carter had 10 points in his first six minutes. He was cooking a little bit, which is nice to see on his uh, record-breaking uh, night for Vince. Then there was a little bit of a mini run by Philadelphia to get it down to five with about four minutes to go in the first half. That was uh, some trouble signs there, from the, from, at least from my end, on the Hawks. But coming out of that break, they had a 7-0 run. They, they featured a, a three-point play by, by Trey Young and another dunk by Damian Jones to go back up by 12. That was a nice stabilizing little push there for the Hawks. Um, there was one moment late in the first half that was uh, an officiating blunder that actually might have bitten the Hawks in other circumstances. When Ben Simmons clearly traveled, um, it was not called. Vince Carter was incensed. I saw that live happen, and on the replay, it actually looked even worse. I can't believe that wasn't called, frankly. Um, and that possession ended in a three by the Sixers to cut the lead down to five with Shake Milton bearing a corner three. And in fact, Milton went crazy in this game. I am a, a long-standing member of Shake Milton's support. Um, I was uh, banging the, t- the drum about him in the draft, so I was uh, kind of enjoying that, honestly, as someone who just sort of evaluates the league. I, I always love Shake Milton. But uh, he was the biggest part of Philly kind of slashing the lead at the end of the first half. In fact, Milton hit another three to cut the lead down to two points with about three seconds to go in the first half. But then a freakishly important, uh, honestly, in retrospect, moment happened when Trey Young drew a foul with about a half a second to go on a three-point shot, that was kind of just vintage Trey Young drawing a foul in a way that you know he is prone to do. He's very good at that particular act. But then the Sixers got two technical, technical fouls in a row, one on Brett Brown and one on Tobias Harris. And uh, that whole sequence led to Trey Young standing at the free-throw line and making five consecutive free-throws without the time changing on the clock. So suddenly the league goes from two up to seven. And as, as I, I know I wasn't the only one that said this, but late in the game uh, I made mention of this, like you know, the fact that, that, that five-point five trip was a big one, um, pivotal in this spot. I know the Hawks won, won this game by 10 points, but it's much closer than that most of the way um, in the second half. And uh, not a small thing that the Hawks were able to steal those five points at the end of the half because two and seven are uh, not the same when it comes to the halftime lead. In that first half, Trey Young was just ridiculous. As, as I said before, he had 29 and 11 before halftime. That's a, that's a great full game contribution for anyone. And he had, he had it at the half. That was crazy. Uh, 63 throw attempts in the first half. Vince had 12 points as well. Um, I said this before as well on Twitter, but if you told me that Philly would have scored 67 points in the first half, I would tell you that the Hawks were in big time trouble in this game. And uh, in fact, they were winning at the halftime break. So that was a pretty pretty big swing into things. We will, uh, of course, dive in to the, second, to the second half of this contest in a moment. Before we get to the second half, though, I do want to take a second to tell you about the good folks at MyBookie because between the NFL playoffs, the NBA, and college basketball, it's time to get off the couch off the sidelines and in on the action with MyBookie. If you're going to bet anywhere this season, do the smart thing. Get Go to MyBookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you're tired of watching the game from the couch with nothing to gain, MyBookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back on the game itself. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 free money to play with. Just use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Take full advantage of the generous sign-up offer here from MyBookie. Visit MyBookie.ag today using promo code LOCKEDONNBA. You play, you win, and you get paid. And we're back to the third quarter. We go after the halftime break. So just as, as a reminder here, we reassess the Hawks are up by seven points opening the third quarter. So a pretty favorable position, but still a long way to go against a good basketball team in Philly. And early in the third quarter, it felt like it might be teetering a little bit. Um, Philly just could not get 
back-to-back buckets to go down. The Hawks were not playing all that well early in the third quarter, but because Philly was struggling, the Hawks took a 10-point lead with about seven, seven minutes to go in the third quarter, and that came on the heels of uh, back-to-back, you know, in-and-out rattle threes from Tobias Harris. It was one of those nights for, for Philly in a lot of ways, but kind of indicative in that, in that particular spot. A potentially very scary moment when John Collins went up for uh, went up near the rim. He tumbled over Ben Simmons on, uh, in sort of an ugly, weird fashion. Uh, John was lighthearted about it after the game, but acknowledged um, multiple times in his postgame interview that it was it was scary for him. And if you, if you saw some of the video and some of the pictures there, it could have gone very badly for John. Fortunately, he was able to get all the way over in, in the way that he fell. He sort of did a full tumble in the air and uh, landed on his back. I'm sure that hurt, and he'll probably be sore a little bit um, tomorrow morning. But moments later, like seconds later, actually, John Collins was, was up, moving, actually had a dunk on the next possession. So he seems to be fine. But that was a potentially scary moment that the Hawks, uh, hopefully, you know, a big exhale from everybody involved that he was not seriously injured in that spot. And then uh, actually five straight points after that, including the dunk, and then a three by Kevin Herter to go by a 90-77. That was the biggest lead at that point in time for Atlanta. The Hawks uh, changed the rotation in the second half. As, as I said before, they only put eight guys after halftime. That is by far the shallowest rotation of the season for Lloyd Pierce. Part of that was that, you know, the circumstances being without Len, being without Fernando and Bembry, et cetera. But part of that was also that this game was close. And I think they probably coached a little bit harder in, than they would normally in this spot about just like going after a win, going shorthanded, tr- playing the guys that you trust more than the others. And it ended up working for the Hawks there. But they went to Vince early and then the, he was kind of the only guy that they seemed to trust in the fourth quarter because Jeff Teague didn't play a whole lot uh, after that as well. Um, still in the third quarter, though, an 8-2 run by Philly with all eight points coming from Shake Milton, his second you know, sort of barrage of the game. Um, it wasn't pretty. The Hawks did get into the half, uh, sorry, after the third quarter, they, get, they got into a break up by seven still, so they actually managed to play the third quarter dead even, which honestly was a win at that, at that point in time. It was. It, it didn't feel like the Hawks played great in that period, to, so to steal that and be even and still be up by seven points, is a, is a positive thing. There was a nice end to the third quarter by Jeff T, who had not played well to that point in time. I thought he at least asserted himself in a positive fashion in the last couple minutes of that third quarter. That was huge when Trey Young was getting a rest. Um, still 30, 15, and, and 6 from Trey Young through three quarters. Uh, pretty crazy. But And then in the fourth, Trey Young came back in the game and uh, looking ahead, he played the entire fourth quarter. Now, there have been times this season when people have been upset with Lloyd Pierce for resting Trey Young in the fourth quarter at times, um, and part of that's just because you have to rest guys at certain points. Trey did sit all the way to the end of the third, but and then came in for the fourth, and you could tell. Uh, he, I'm not sure if he played that, that whole a whole, a whole fourth quarter this year or not, but uh, he was definitely gassed by the end. Um, you know, it's it's a lot to ask someone to carry the workload that he carries and then play you know 12 straight minutes of basketball. He did it in this game, but you you could definitely see at least from my vantage point, that he was a little bit tired in the fourth quarter, which is not a shot at him. Like it's, it's just it's really tough to play 12 straight minutes. It ended up working out because the Hawks needed him on the court the entire time, but that's worth pointing out uh, early on here. But um, as for Trey's performance itself, uh, he, had a, he tied a season high with 16 assists with 11 minutes to go. He tied his career high with 17 assists with 8 minutes to go, and then quickly got um, his career high later on when it finished off with it, it set a new career high later on. But you know, it just kind of speaks to the way that he was playing when it was, uh, he's setting marks that early in the fourth quarter for his career and for the season. Um, the Sixers did score first in the fourth quarter with a quick bucket, but then a 7-0 run by the Hawks to go up by 12, and it looked like they were actually going to end the game at that point in time. Philly um, struggled mightily offensively. They only scored two points in the first four and a half minutes of the fourth quarter. The Hawks went, went up by 16 points, and it appeared like it was going to be over at that point. They uh, had a comfortable lead. Philly was not playing well. Um, the Sixers did make a little run, I will say. They got it to 11 at one point. Um, but with about five and a half minutes to go back, force a timeout by, by Lloyd Pierce. Coming out of the break, the Hawks had a big three. It was Cam Reddish on a kickout pass from Trey Young to go up 115 to 101. 
But from there, Philly was the better team for a little while. Um, they, got, they got down to seven in a hurry on a 7-0 run, about three and a half minutes to go. And then it was teetering in that five, six-point range for about two straight minutes. A um, couple of missed layups by the Hawks. Um, Simmons hit a couple free throws and actually Embiid split a pair of free throws to get back down by five points with about a minute and a half to go. In fact, it was back and forth from there, but the Sixers did have the ball down six with about a minute to go. So, you know, obviously the Hawks are favored, are favored in that spot up by six, but it's, it's not over because if they hit a three there or something like that, it's suddenly a very interesting game. But Philly turns it over, and that was basically the end of that, and the Hawks took care of business on the way to the 127-117 to victory. As I said before, the fourth quarter was kind of weird. The Hawks played shallow. They did not go deep in the bench, and that ended up working out for them. I want to shout out Cam Reddish. He played very well in the fourth quarter. Lloyd Pierce made sure to single him out as well. I thought he made a couple of just very mature, very sort of steady plays from Cam in that spot. He had, a, he had the big three that I mentioned before, but also a couple of nice passes along the way in the fourth quarter. His trademark good defense as well. I thought he was a huge part of what transpired there, and uh, shouts to Cam for the way that he played down the stretch. Um, big picture in this spot. Obviously, the 127 is the number that you want to circle there offensively. A 121 offensive rating against Philly. And, you know, again, Philly was without two of their better players, but I would have certainly taken the under on 121 offensive rating in this game for Atlanta. They just played great offensively. One of the best performances of the season on the, on the offensive end of the floor, given the opponent and given all that stuff. Obviously, Trey was, um, you know, singularly great in his own right. But I thought most guys that played in this game played well. We'll talk about individual players later on in the podcast. But um, just a, a team effort. Obviously, keyed by one guy, but still, um, everybody played pretty well in this spot offensively, and that led to uh, a shockingly good offensive performance from Atlanta, and they featured 29 assists, by the way, and that's a very, very high number against the Sixers team. Um, defensively, it wasn't always fantastic, but they actually played they played decently well. In the second half, um, they held the Sixers to 50, to 50 points. First half was a little bit, a little bit more shaky. Um, obviously, Milton got a little bit loose, and Simmons um, did kind of whatever he wanted at times in this game on the way to 31 points. They did a pretty good job on Tobias Harris. They did a, they did a pretty good job on, on Joel Embiid. You know, you know, obviously, Embiid still finishes the game with 21 and 14, but it wasn't as if he dominated. In fact, I thought the Hawks did a good job. Damian Jones, I thought they did a pretty good job. John Collins, even Vince Carter, who the, who the coaching staff Lloyd Pierce talked about after the game, um, I think he used the word sacrificial lamb about Vince Carter, which is kind of making Vince um, act as the guy who's sort of throwing his body into Joel Embiid at times in the second half in particular because they wanted to save the fouls on John Collins and with, with no bodies it kind of made sense and you're basically just asking Vince Carter to hold up until the double team arrives he knows he knows how to play is kind of what what was saying about that and it ended up working out pretty well Joel was still effective but he was not good in this game by his standards and uh, same with Harris he wasn't very good so you know aside from Milton and Simmons the Hawks did a pretty good job defensively in this game and uh, all told they were better defensively, defensively in the spot and they certainly better than their average um, baseline and I think maybe even better than that when it comes to the uh, full game performance. Um, we'll look ahead now to the individual stuff in this game. Obviously, uh, mostly on the high end, but again, nine guys played in this spot, and really only eight and a half, because Travion Grant played six minutes, um, and it was really only one stretch. He was okay. He gave him some, some defensive uh, intensity. Uh, misses only two shot attempts, had two rebounds, was a dead even plus minus, and uh, you know, there you go on that. No, uh, the only other guy who was healthy, uh, the only two, sorry, the only two guys that were healthy scratches in this game were Brandon Goodwin. That's a little bit surprising in some ways, but um, I think with good reason, the Hawks wanted to play a little bit bigger in this game than they were than they have been usually. I would have been okay trying Goodwin at some point along the way. I probably would have, honestly. But uh, it did make a little bit of sense to me that he wouldn't be playing in this spot. And they went with Graham for that small burst of time. Um, and then Charlie Brown didn't play either, which is not a surprise at all. Uh, Jeff Teague was not fantastic. Thir thir 13 minutes, 4 points, 4-4 four, four from the free throw line, 2 assists and a rebound. 3 turnovers. I don't Again, I don't, I don't think Teague was very good. 
um, for probably half or more of his time, but he did play well at the end of the third quarter. That was a huge stretch, and he was a big part of that, getting in the line for four times. That was a huge uh, push there, so I want to credit him there. I do think that overall he's not been fantastic since he arrived in Atlanta, and uh, obviously you're hoping for better than that from Jeff, but uh, there was that one few minutes of stretch where uh, he was very helpful in the spot. There were two guys off the bench that played more, more prominent roles. Vince Carter, 24 minutes. 14 points, 6 rebounds, 2 block shots, and a steal. Vince's offense came almost all in the second quarter when he had it cooking for a little while. But uh, just in general, I thought he was very valuable in this game. Vince has not been great this year on the court, honestly. Um, but in this game, he was he was very helpful. He knows what he knows what he knows what to do, and uh, his physicality was helpful. He made he made a couple shots, and uh, Vince provided the way that he can in this game. And then Ken Reddish off the bench. I thought he wasn't fantastic in the first half, um, but in the fourth quarter, as I said before, he was he was really really good. 12 points, did have five fouls, two assists, two rebounds, four from the floor, two of five from three, and nice steady game from Cam. It wasn't his best um, on the on the overall offensively but he was just fine, and then defensively, he was quite good, as usual. So a nice, a nice solid game there, and the Hawks basically, for the most part, were playing seven guys in the fourth quarter, and uh, Cam was one of them, and he was, a, he was a, sort of an integral part of what they were trying to do. Um, to the starters, Damian Jones, as, as I said before, Damian Jones has been kind of a punching bag, both on this podcast, on Twitter, and in the fan base, and I understand all of that. He's not been very good this year, but I thought in this game he played pretty well. 14 points, seven rebounds, they have two block shots and a steal. Damian was active. He only had one foul, which is... Uh, comically funny to me because Damian averages 8.2 fouls per 100 possessions and in this game you would think he'd have even more fouls against Embiid all the jokes were made including by me before the game even started that Damian was probably going to foul out of this game and uh, when Ben Ladner pointed out to me um, during the game sitting next to me on press row that Damian only had one foul in the fourth quarter I was just gobsmacked frankly but uh, again he played very well six back from the floor just good energy overall it's a pretty good playing style for him to play a little bit faster than the Hawks, like the Hawks did in this game offensively, but he held his own, and uh, shouts to Damian because they needed that performance in a big way, and they got it. Um, Dave, uh, sorry, DeAndre Hunter was okay, 15 points. He had 10 in the first quarter, definitely cooled off from there, but was plus 9, had 4 assists, 2 rebounds. I thought he was just pretty solid. wasn't like fantastic from DeAndre, but not bad either in 36 minutes. Um, Kevin Herter, same sort of thing, 33 minutes. He was kind of quiet in terms of being aggressive offensively. Only, only took eight shots, five threes, though. Made two, made two out of those five. 12 points, two assists, and a steal. Was plus eight. Had, had some foul stuff as well. But I thought Kevin was just okay, but in a solid way. Not, nothing exceptional, but also nothing bad either. I thought Kevin was just solid. And then the two stars of the night, obviously, for the Hawks. Uh, John Collins, 17 points in a uh, season-high 20 rebounds. Only second time in his career he's gotten to 20 boards and he was his uh, normal funny self after the game um, with those two numbers obviously he played very very well 8 of 13 from the floor did miss all three of his threes but obviously 8, eight of 10 on twos which is nice and uh, had five fouls no steals or blocks in this game which is kind of a rarity now which is a good thing for the Hawks normally when um at least in the years past, Collins wasn't uh, always getting steals and blocks, but in this, game, in, this, in this season he has been doing that, and it didn't happen in this game, but I thought he, he, I thought he played well. Obviously the rebounding um, you know, is what it is, but he was, he was effective around the rim and did a pretty good job defensively holding up against Embiid when he was asked to do that. And then finally, Trey Young, uh, 39 points, 18 assists, a career high for Trey in that category. He did have seven turnovers, which is okay when you have 18 assists, uh, six rebounds, plus 17, a game high there, so... He played 38 minutes, and in the 10 minutes that he was off the court, the Hawks were minus the Hawks were minus seven. So that's you know that's not anything unusual this season about Trey. Um, the Hawks have been better with him on the court substantially all season long, and that was definitely the case in this game. He didn't shoot it that great, which is kind of funny for someone who had 39 points. But he was nine of 22 from the floor, three of nine from three. That's not ghastly, but it's not incredible by any means. But it got to, it got to the line for 18 of 20. 
18 of 20, including 15 of 16 in the first half. Um, you know, his foul drawing is a very, very nice attribute, and it worked out very well in this game. And the passing speaks for itself. 18 assists is just crazy. Um, you know, a new career high for him. Um, yeah, he was just he was, it was just it was just great. That's, just, that's all I have to say about that. I you know, Philly's defense is good um, on the whole. I do think um, Trey exposed them in a lot of ways in this game. Matisse Tybel has very, very talented defensive player, has great hands, but he's a rookie, and he had no answer for Trey Young. In fact, there was really nobody on the roster for Philly that had any chance of guarding Trey Young in this game. Um, they tried Simmons. I think probably Simmons had the best chance at, at one point. But, um, you know, Tybel, no thanks. Shake Milton, probably not. Simmons, uh, Hall Neto, you know, Cork Moss, nobody had a chance. Zaire Smith played a little bit at the point of attack, but um, yeah, Trey just kind of exposed them. And even Embiid, like, Embiid's a very good defensive player, but um, Trey had his number at times, getting kind of wherever he wanted to go. He was in full control and uh, was the biggest reason why the Hawks won this game in the way that they did. So, all that to say, obviously a fantastic win for Atlanta here to be seven-point underdogs, even in your home building, and go out and win by 10. You know, the 10-point margin probably a little bit misleading. I think they probably won this game a little bit more narrowly than that. But still, they won this game. They took, they took care of business. And again, they're 5-4 and four in the last nine. It's a small sample size, but this is a much better basketball team than it was you know, two months ago. Um, I, can, I can remember you know, being sort of in the doldrum period when they just could not win a game when they were shorthanded and, and uh, the tensions were running high, the frustrations and all that stuff. Now it feels a little bit looser. Obviously, the playoffs are probably not going to happen at 13-36, and 36, but they're playing better right now. And this is, this is kind of what it was supposed to feel like for a, lot, for a large portion of the season. I try to stress during that low period that um, – better times were ahead. Um, part of that schedule, part of that's just being healthier and having your guys around and just kind of gelling more. But the Hawks played well in this game, and they were up-tempo after the game. They were upbeat after the game. And, uh, yeah, looking ahead a little bit to the weekend here, um, Saturday's game in Dallas will be very interesting, obviously. Um, by the way, there's an injury um, factor there, Luka Doncic, and, the, of course, the headline matchup of Young versus Doncic probably isn't going to happen on Saturday because Luka rolled an ankle, and it looks like he's going to miss that game. It's a back-to-back for Dallas, and I don't think he's going to play either game, according to some reporting that was out there. So, it takes a little bit of the shine off of the contest, but um, from a Hawks perspective, if you want to win the game, it's a little bit easier to go out and do that with Luka not on the floor. Um, so there, there you go on that, and we'll, of course, cover that game as we always do on the podcast. But, um, yeah, that, that'll cover this game, and obviously leaving here on a positive note, if you're, if you're a Hawks fan, you have to be pretty pleased with the way this went with all of your uh, young guys playing well and uh, just kind of coalescing on the way to a victory. So subscribe to the podcast. Please go ahead and do that for me. Leave five-star feedback if you enjoy the show. I really appreciate that. Also, tell a friend about the show, but uh, join us on whichever podcast platform that you like best, whether it be Apple or Overcast or Google Podcasts or Stitcher, Spotify, all those places have podcasts. Wherever you can find podcasts for free, we should be there. And uh, nothing else. I uh, Oh, one plug, I should say, before we get out of here. I had a long conversation with Brian Schroeder of uh, many outlets on the internet about the NBA draft on yesterday's show. It's about an hour long. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that one. If you missed it, go back and listen to that one. That was a fun one. And, of course, we'll, we'll sort of sprinkle draft coverage between now and the end of the season. But as soon as the season ends in mid-April, it'll be uh, full steam ahead on the draft for that two-month period. So let's buckle up for that. It's my favorite time of the year. I love the draft. So uh, that'll be coming in the future. So, all right, before we get out of here, thank you for listening to the podcast. Check out my bookie, as I talked about earlier in the pod, and we'll see everybody after the game on Saturday night.